he is good and he loves us. So let me add my congratulations to you guys. We are all excited for what you guys uh, have in front of you. Uh, there'll be some challenges, but man, the opportunities, the joy, the experiences that await you, it's going to be fabulous. Again, the foundation, the best part of it, experiencing the joy in our relationship with Jesus and sharing that with others no matter where we go. So we look uh, forward to what you guys have ahead. One of our longtime church family members, Judy Stump, uh, uh, met Jesus face to face, and uh, she's now in the presence of uh, the Almighty God. All those theological questions and tensions have now been answered for her. We still, uh, we still uh, uh, live with them. And uh, no decisions yet as to celebrating uh, her life. Good to be back with you. I was in uh, uh, El Dorado Hills, upside of, outside of Sacramento. Y'all remember we sent Drew and Jen Soderstrom about 10 years ago. They got a church up there, so I was up there preaching last Sunday. Missed y'all, Danny, uh, Danny, whatever your name is. What, what's your name? Johnny did a great job last week. And uh, again, this is part of uh, uh, Drew's, if you remember, his vision for family and churches. So there were about eight of we pastors who were connecting in uh, our cubed essentially, this vision of uh, joy in Jesus and living our cubed, believing there'll be encouragement from those of us who share this vision for us as pastors and even as congregations. You remember uh, Share the Joy that we did in January? That was a tool developed by uh, Vintage Grace and by Drew that we shared that. So this is about continuing to, uh, to build that relationship. You guys know we're going to go have a picnic after the second service, right? Yeah. So go get a cup of coffee. Go to an ABF after this service. Go do something and then join us back here. This is about an opportunity for us as a community and hopefully pull in other people to be encouraged in uh, relationships and uh, the grace of Jesus. Now, we're in this series on Acts, and we're not moving through it dup, up, dup, up, every text, but it's a thematic series because we're thrilled with what's going on at RCC. In individual lives and us corporately, we're grateful for the investment you make with your time, and with your money, thank you very much for your continued giving to support the vision of, of what we're doing with your gifts. Don't ever hear us suggesting that, that, that we're somehow disappointed. But we dream of an even greater impact. We dream, we're greedy for more joy in our lives, and we're greedy to share that joy with others that they might experience some of that joy in Jesus. And, and that's what we're, we're, we're dealing with in, in this series, trying to do that. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, can I just say the world continues to seem to me to get messier? And welcome to you guys online as well. I don't think I'm surprised anymore that just even how our politicians make reference of one another. I remember a day when those national politicians disagreed but there was a civility about their interaction that to me feels lost. It feels that loss of civility in our culture is diminishing as well. I've watched the breakdown of what I'm just going to reference as Judeo-Christian ethics in our culture and morality. Woe has it changed. And the only part I'm surprised with is the pace at which it's changing. 
Budweiser made some progressive moves. It's hurt their bottom line. Target, if you know Target, located in central uh, in Minneapolis, where I grew up. My wife loves Target, and I've tried to help her understand years ago. She said, we've moved and lived in different places. Part of what she loved about Target is it just reminded her of home. It's the same. There was a familiarity. I don't know if you've been following it all, but they've been making some decisions in terms of some of the products and going more inclusive. Uh, their stock prices are down, and, and I was reading a quote from the designer of some of the garments that they had decided to sell that they have now pulled from the shelves. And, and for me, this is just an illustration of where the culture's gone and how complicated it is to live in our world today, to have a discussion with people whose views, 40 years ago, if people were talking about this like this, I didn't know about it. Now, the guy who designed this stuff is accused of being a Satanist, and I think he would say he is a Satanist, but here's how he describes, I mean, this is just like, huh? Satanists don't actually believe in Satan. He is merely used as a symbol of passion, pride, and liberty. He means to you what you need him to mean. So for me, Satan is hope, compassion, equality, and love. So if I'm talking to this guy, I'd try to talk to him in love, but I wouldn't even know where to begin. We believe in a Satan. Got great power. No reason for us to be afraid of him, ever. But there's a Satan, and let me assure you, he is not about love. Now, this is the world we're in. There are so many fronts out there that this is just nuts. This is just crazy. So many places for us to go and to invest our time and energy in trying to be, bring Christ's love. But here's my concern. With all these issues out there, with all these things going on, we might be distracted from those things which are central to promoting God's love and his grace. My fear is in our involvement out there and trying to bring Jesus to everybody that we might get so focused on this stuff that what's really at the core of our faith might get lost. Now, the world is a mess. It breaks my heart, and then it actually uh, gives me hope. Because let me tell you, in my life, there's never been a time when standing for Jesus in love and grace would be more obvious to the world than who we are than right now. So this is discouraging, potentially depressing on lots of levels, but for us, it is an opportunity. Because I'm going to tell you, standing for Jesus now ought to look more different in our culture than ever in my lifetime. But we want to stand on those things that are important. 
We don't want to lose sight of what is the foundation. As you guys go out, here's the foundation, right? The foundation of our hope and what we believe. So we're moving to Acts 3. We're going to pick it up there. And here's the context of what's going on. Because these early church folks, part of what made their church go is they kept their focus on the basics. They knew what was critical. They knew what was essential. We got a lame man that's miraculously healed. Peter and John are going to go into the temple. And they walk by this lame guy that's sitting by a gate. He's been lame since birth. They set him there. They carried him there so that he could beg for money. Peter and James walk by and they go, hey, we don't have any silver or gold. But in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And guess what happened? This guy who had never, ever stood, never in his life, he stands up and starts to walk. Now, what I love in the text, Luke says he leapt. Because <laughs> I tell you, if you can't walk and all of a sudden your legs work, you cannot just walk. You got to leap. Because these are experiences you've never had. And the people were awed. So the question is, these guys now enter the temple, and this lame man, man who had been lame, who's now walking, goes with them. The question that Peter's first going to address is, so why is he walking? How did this healing take place. Peter's explanation, three basic parts. Anybody surprised at that? You guys are sitting here. You want to know why that guy walks? It's the great healer. Whatever problem you got, there's only one guy that can really fix it. His name is Jesus. Now, this Jesus by whom this guy that you know has been lame since birth got healed, that's the guy you killed? You guys. You're responsible for his death. The holy and righteous one, the author of life, just in case you don't really understand who you killed. And your God raised this Jesus that you killed. The God that you claim you serve, the God you claim you love, the guy you claim you want to glorify him, he's the one that raises Jesus. While he, the guy who's just been healed, clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? He's not walking because of who we are. 
The God of Abraham, your God. The God of Isaac, your God. The God of Jacob, your God. The God of our fathers, your God. Glorified his servant Jesus. Now this is the guy you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. He'd done all kinds of miracles. He'd done all kinds of good things. Yet you, you didn't want anything to do with him. And when Pilate had to decided to release him, but you denied the holy and righteous one. Now when Peter uses those terms, who do you think he's referencing? God. You denied the holy righteous one, the guy you claim that you want to glorify. And you asked instead for a murderer to be granted to you. Pilate was going to let him go. You said no. Kill the holy and righteous one and release to us a murderer. And you killed the author of life. He wants him to understand Jesus is God. Whom God raised from the dead. And to this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name. This is key as we go on. By faith in his name, by faith in Jesus has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of y'all. The key here, faith in Jesus. A lot of stuff going on in the world. A lot of stuff. We can get going a lot of directions. He is keeping our focus on Jesus. Father, thanks for loving us. Thanks for sending your son into this world. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to move and to guide and to lead in our lives. My prayer is wherever we are on this spiritual journey with you today, that you would encourage us through these words. Wherever we are in our faith, take, a, take us farther. Move us forward. I pray that we individually and corporately would have a stronger faith in you. No matter what's going on in the world, Father, I pray that you would keep our eyes focused on Jesus. So much to divert us, so much to distract us, Father, it's not easy to always keep our eyes on Jesus. Help us, Father. We ask you to send your spirit to help us keep our eyes focused on Jesus. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So there's Peter's explanation. This guy that's now leaping, faith in Jesus brought about this healing.
It's the power of Jesus that made it so he could walk, run, and jump. Peter's revelation then, as he starts to preach, he's explained how this happened. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who have come after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant of God that made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Now here Peter lays out, he laid it out in that first sermon back in Acts 2, but here again he lays out the basics and the foundation of our faith. Those ideas which are critical and essential to who we are and to what we promote in this world. God knows There are all kinds of issues out there that we can always address and should be addressing. But here is what we're going to focus on. We are not going to get distracted from this stuff. No matter what people at Target are designing, those who reject Jesus are ignorant and headed for destruction. This is foundational. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. Now, Peter here is not calling them stupid. He's not calling them morons. He's also not excusing the choice they've made and the worldview they have. I think he's trying to offer them hope. You made decisions, but spiritually, they were ignorant. In your rejection of Jesus, you need to understand this. You were wrong. Now, as I've referenced post-evangelicalism, some of this movement within evangelicalism, they want to diminish this truth. Here's where it all starts. Because before, for those of us who treasure Christ, before we treasure Christ, we were ignorant. We didn't get the truth. I'm going to tell you, with my unbelieving friends, I like to build some credibility and some relationship with them, and I like them to ask questions that lead me to the opportunity to share this. Now, do I call them ignorant? I try to challenge their worldview with mine. And unmistakably, it's implied that they are ignorant spiritually. 
Because you can't get to the grace of Jesus. You can't get to the love of Jesus until you can identify and understand and acknowledge that you're not getting your worldview right. So I look at this world, this designer from Target talking about, he's got a, put in as strong an adjective as you want, he's got a really lousy worldview. He's designing stuff that disgusts me. My ultimate goal is not to get him to stop designing trash. But my prayer is that his worldview would change. He's designing stuff that according to the text, ignorant people will design. Ought not surprise us. I prefer not to try and attack the symptoms, but the disease. The disease is a lousy, ignorant worldview because he doesn't accept Jesus. And those folks are headed for destruction. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed. Please hear me say unmistakably, because this is being debated within what some people call evangelicalism. Everybody who doesn't treasure Christ will spend eternity in hell. And it's foundational to our worldview. Because they've offended God. They've spit in the face of God. He is righteous and he is holy. And Jesus has always been God's plan for redemption. It's what Peter wants to make clear here again. He's going to reference Moses living in about 1300, 1400 B.C. How many years ago was that? Roughly 3300? I'm 64. 3300 years still seems to me like a long time. I know to you young guys, 64 seems like a long time. Right? How do, how do people, 64, this is, anyway. And then he's going to go to Samuel, about 900 B.C., Roughly 2,900 years. And then he's going to reference Abraham even before that, exactly when we don't know. But here's his point to Peter. Peter's point. This has been truth, and this is not a new concept. This is not a new idea. This is something that God's been revealing from the beginning. First prophecy of Jesus back to Genesis. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, But what God foretold by the mouth of the prophets, that his Christ, his Messiah would suffer, this Jesus has thus fulfilled. Moses, 1,300, 1,400 years before Jesus said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers, not better than Moses, and you shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken, all of them, 
all the Old Testament prophets, from Samuel and those who came after him, all of them also proclaimed these days of Jesus, who he is, what he was going to do. Now you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham. That's where he first made this covenant, with Abraham. And in your offering shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So ignorant people are going to be destroyed. Jesus has been the answer and has always been the answer. And the prophets told you about this. This ain't some Johnny-come-lately theology. This isn't anything new. Now, did Paul and Peter and John understand this before they met Jesus and before he died and before he rose from the dead? Let me tell you, no. They had the Old Testament, and they didn't read it very well. Why, we're going to continue to emphasize around here reading Scriptures accurately. Because they had the Old Testament, and they missed it. They misinterpreted it. Reading this stuff correctly and not just having it on our copy table is essential. Nothing new here in this Jesus. This has been God's plan. And Jesus died and rose from the dead to bring complete forgiveness through faith. Now in that explanation, he twice already alluded to faith. He's not going to use that word here, but don't forget what we just read. It's through faith. This man was healed through faith in Jesus. That's the key. Our sins are blotted out. Ah! You want to leap for joy? Let me tell you, I hope I see that lame guy in heaven. I do believe I do. And if he leapt about this high after he could walk, let me tell you, it was 10 times that high after he figured out who Jesus was. Because there ain't anything better than getting our sins blotted out. This is the best. And for those of you for whom it happened a while ago, don't forget how good this feels. And my hope is as you grow in faith, you want to leap even more. Now my wife's not here. I'm going to do that even more in the second service because it irritates her. And I find joy in that. Father, forgive me. Repent, therefore, in faith. Turn from your not believing in Jesus, your ignorance in terms of who Jesus is. Turn and now embrace him as the Savior that your sins may be blotted out. Every one of them. Now, make no mistake. I still mess up, but I treasure Jesus. I haven't beat myself up in probably 30 years. I've been a believer about 40. I stopped beating myself up when I finally figured out through faith in Christ, God looks to me as not just innocent, but righteous. I still mess up. But Jesus' blood covered it all. Do I still make choices and have thoughts that I wished I didn't have? What do you think? <laughs> Thank you for the underestimate. Righteous in God's eyes.
I was ignorant till I was about 23 or 24. Now, I'm still ignorant in a lot of things in life. Don't misunderstand. I'm talking about spiritually. Though I was raised in the church, I was spiritually ignorant till about 23, 24. And it took me about another 10 years to fully experience his forgiveness in the way that I refused to beat myself up. When I sin, I'm losing out on the greater joy. I don't like that. But they were blotted out. Spiritual refreshment. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I think he's talking about subsequent to our sins being blotted out. Have you guys noticed life is hard? You think it's ever hard for me? Here's what Jesus brings. Refreshment. When we start to struggle, when we're getting discouraged, when the circumstances in our life aren't going the way we want, We're living in a culture where we have limitless ways to go to get refreshed. That the folks that are living in the days Luke wrote this just didn't have this. They pretty much went to work, went home, and ate, and that was it. God has been so gracious to us. Vacations, big screen TVs, jobs, trips, golf. We have so many things that can bring refreshment. God has been so generous. Let me tell you my concern. But rather than looking to God to be the source of our refreshments in Christ, we look for it in these other things. Now, they can be tools that God uses to bring us refreshment. But my concern is that we look for our refreshment ultimately in those things. I've known people that wanted to change careers or move because they just wanted to be refreshed. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. You hear that, right? After they got the new job or they moved, they're still dry. It's great for about six months because the challenge wasn't their job or it wasn't where they lived. Now, I'm not telling you not to move. I'm not telling you not to change jobs. Golf for me was a place I looked for refreshment, and I looked for it too much, and while I was out there on the course, it was great. When I finished my round, I found myself emotionally back in the same place. Golf for me at this age now is unbelievably refreshing. Most days, I'm out there worshiping God. Now, when I'm playing badly, there's a little less worship of God going on. But that's what Jesus brings. This refreshment to our spirit and to our souls. There's a word I like to use that I think signifies that we have that refreshment. Joy. Now the elders have been very great, gracious to me. I got a month off here from middle of July to the middle of August. Sabbatical for a break. I love y'all. You'll take this the right way. Four weeks not thinking about 
this so much, it's going to be refreshing for me. These are good things. All these things God gives us are tools. Am I going to miss you? I'm going to miss you. Am I confident I'm going to be refreshed? I am. That's what Jesus brings. That refreshment is Jesus, is being still. And then there's universal restoration. Repent, therefore, and turn back from your sins. May be blotted out that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ back. He's already ascended into heaven, appointed for you. Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time. He's already ascended into heaven, back to Acts 1, for the restoring of all things. God intends that we keep our eyes focused on Jesus' second coming, knowing that that is going to bring hope and joy today. You know, in Romans 8, he says that our present sufferings are not even worth considering, mentioned in reference to what's going to be. I don't mean to diminish any pain. I don't mean to diminish any suffering. I'm going to have a month off to be restored. But here, what Peter's saying, let's keep our eyes focused on this. Your sins get forgiven. Jesus continues to offer refreshment, and then he's come back. This world that is broken ain't going to be broken anymore. There'll be no more hurricanes. There'll be no more fires. There'll be no more tornadoes. There'll be no more nuts with nuclear bombs. There'll be no more cancer. There'll be none of that stuff. This disease and everything will be wiped out. You want to talk about leaping? This ought to get us leaping. We got the restoration of our bodies. I've told you enough about that. 180 pounds, hair down to here. I'll be an inch taller than I am now because I've already lost an inch. I used to be able to dunk a basketball taking two steps. Now it's a good day if I tie my shoes. <laughs> this body is wearing out. And one day, it's going to be completely restored and it'll never get old. We got to keep our eye on the ball here. We're in a broken world, but this Jesus changes everything. That's what we're focused on. And he offers it to everybody. You are the sons of the prophets of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed through Jesus, this guy that was descended from Abraham. This ain't just for you Jews, though in this context, but verse 26, God having raised up his servant, sent him to you first. He's talking to those Jews right there in the temple. This Jesus is for everybody. You got him. But he's for everybody. I think he's saying that to us, those of us who are here who treasure Christ. We got him, but he's for everybody. Stephen Rochelle Clark, nice to see you. Part of our ministry partners, thank you for here in terms of helping us bring the gospel around the world. Because now we got Jesus. Remember what he said? What were Jesus' last words? Oh, uh, before he sent it into heaven. What did he say? Anybody remember? Hey, you got a bunch of worldly problems out there. Target stuff, whew, bunch of worldly problems. Here's what you're to keep focused on. Jesus and being his witnesses. That's what you focus on. 
in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. And then you're going to find the most joy in meeting in life. So here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. If you're here today or watching online, great to have you with us, and you haven't decided yet to treasure Christ, here's my encouragement. Schedule, schedule some time this week to just ponder it. Think about it. It's rooted in the truth of who Jesus is. If you're here thinking about that, I'd love to talk with you. But just schedule some time, just 15 minutes a day, and just think about it. Who is this Jesus guy? Is it real and is it true? If you want forgiveness, if you want refreshment, and you want to look forward to his second coming with great delight, if you're just even willing to consider that, do it. I don't know about you, but my wife is a special ed teacher. She diagnosed me 40 years ago as being ADHD, and she wasn't kidding. Combined with that, that I'm an adrenaline junkie. Let me tell you, for the hardest thing, when I need refreshment, what I do is just go faster. It's what I do. And it gives me that refreshment for the moment, that last for the moment. Hardest thing for me to do, my greatest passion in my life is to help you guys figure out how to be still and know that he is God. Now, I'm working on it. But when I'm still, you know what happens when I'm tired? My head goes a million miles an hour. And Satan, who is not just a metaphor for me, fills my heads with all kinds of thoughts going a hundred different directions and just focusing on Jesus becomes challenging. If you're here today and you want some refreshment in your spirit, just set some time every day this week. Do your best. Ask the Lord to help you be refreshed. You heard me say it's not easy for me, right? Still wrestling with it. When the Spirit empowers me, see how I blamed him for this? To actually find this discipline? But I'm not good at it. And I live with less refreshment than I have to. Because sitting with Jesus, remember Mary and Martha, that story? Mary, who sat at his feet, had the good part. We're in a culture. I don't ever have to be still. Ever. Ever. When I'm tired and I need to refresh and be still, I guarantee you, you could look at my phone and it will show more use than any other time. Then schedule time for your one. Remember back to sharing the joy and that tool we had. But we got this joy in Jesus, let's give it away. After we spend some time being refreshed with Jesus, then hang out with them, buy them lunch, text them, do whatever you want to do, but help them see this joy of Jesus. Because those who don't accept Jesus are spiritually ignorant and headed for destruction. In Jesus, our sins, all of them, every one of them, I'm looking out there, there's a bunch of sins. They've been blotted out. Jesus brings us this refreshment and he's coming back. That's news we're sharing with others. Thanks, Father, for loving us. Thanks for sending Jesus into this world. Thanks for sending the Holy Spirit to again enliven us, to bring us to faith, to encourage us, to fill us. Father, I pray for your Spirit's filling. 
that he would give us more hope in Jesus. Oh, Father, help us to be devoted to your teaching given to us through the apostles, to our hanging with one another, to our loving one another. This is how you said that people are going to know we're disciples, by our love for one another. Oh, Father, may we stay focused on those things. We're living in a world that unmistakably every day we see needs you. Every day we have all kinds of people clearly illustrating that spiritually they're ignorant and headed for destruction. Father, you're the cure for that disease. Your son is the only hope. Help us to hold to that tight, that hope dearly and help us to share that hope with whomever we interact, Father. That's our prayer.